Enterprise Management 360, your main source for tech news, analysis, podcasts, and videos for the enterprise. Hello, everybody. This is John Arnold of J. Arnold & Associates. I'm an independent analyst, and I'm here to welcome you to our next EM360 podcast. On this episode, we're going to be talking about remote working, something that's really in the news right now. As we all know, in the current climate, companies are encouraging and even requiring people to work from home. For some businesses, it's a pretty routine thing, but for others, it's really new territory. So there's a lot to think about, and the communication technology tools you use really have a big part to play in making remote working effective. So we're going to explore some of that over the next while on this podcast, and I'm not going to do it alone. So I'm going to introduce my guest for this podcast, Matt Burns. And Matt is the Startup Initiative Lead. That's one of those titles that can mean a lot of things. And he'll probably tell you a bit about that in a minute with, you know, smaller companies. But he's with a company called Monday.com. Just so you know, folks, where I am, it is Monday morning, nine o'clock. So it's appropriate that we are doing this podcast now with Matt and Monday.com. So welcome to the podcast, Matt. Thanks so much for having me, John. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm looking forward to chatting today. Okay, same here, same here. So you're based in New York City, a very big city, the EM360 folks. London, very big city. I'm in Toronto, pretty big city. And I think we're all going through the same things exactly at the same time, right? We're all having to struggle with this idea of, when do we work from home? How do we work from home? We know why we need to work from home under the current conditions, but um, I think it's causing a lot of companies to really scramble and figure it out because it's often been policy not to support it. And of course, we know everybody can't work from home, but we'll get to that in a moment. So I just want to, before we get into some of the questions, Matt, just kind of get your first take in terms of kind of what's the kind of the, the vibe you're sensing right now? I mean, is this probably good for business for you? But more importantly, you know, what's your sense from people you talk to and customers? Are they really, you know, excited about this? Are they kind of a little bit anxious about it? What what are you what are you hearing? Yeah, that's a great question, John. For us, it's really about how can we support everybody out there that's looking to get information. We are a tool that enables remote working, and the sense that we're getting from a lot of customers and prospects and other people in the online space is that. You've got the two distinct crowds. You've got the people who are newly remote, who are trying to really figure things out. And you've got the veterans who are incorporating this new reality and trying to optimize, enhance their workflows. So really, I'd say that those are the two distinctions that we're seeing a lot in the marketplace right now. Yeah. And, you know, that term social distancing has really become one of those, you know, hashtag buzzwords yeah. in this climate right now. But it doesn't mean that we can't be productive. And I think that's what makes this technology exciting. So. Let's kind of peel that back a little bit. When we talk about remote working, Mm -hmm. that term means a lot of things. And I think right now for companies that are trying to deal with it for the first time or maybe in a bigger way than they really want to do, they got to think about a lot of things. And buyers and sellers, you know, could easily not be on the same page when they say we have to do remote working and the sellers say, we've got some really great remote working tools, but They've got a match, right? So how do you define remote working? What does it mean to you? I've come from a place where remote working has been a big part of my life personally. As a company, remote working is how do we keep our business operating, running, making sure we're still meeting our ambitious goals, all while we are completely separated 
we might still be very connected. Uh, and certainly we hope that we are, but that's going to be the ongoing challenge for us and for really a lot of people in the, the space, as you say. So for me personally, remote working is how do I stay connected with my team? How do I make sure that they're aware of what my goals are? And how do I ensure that what I'm doing is keeping that focus for the team and the company and pushing things forward? As a company, remote working, again, is really going to be around how do we facilitate an environment that our ambitious goals and things that we want to do keep going forward without the simplicity of communication that's us being in the same room having a conversation. At least for us, you know, communication happens digitally quite frequently. And a lot of companies out there are in a space where that takes place. Not everybody has the benefit of having that. But if you're working remotely, I'd say the number one focus is how can we stay connected to what we're trying to achieve as a business? And then a little more uh, on the remote part. You know, we talk about remote as being not physically in the office, but are people thinking of this as this is the way it's going to be? Or this is maybe just a little stopgap inconvenience we're going to have to do for a couple of weeks? Yeah, it's a good question. I feel personally from just experience, and obviously none of us have really dealt with something like this before. But what I imagine is going to be is that when we all get through this particular time when we're recording this, and we're able to go outside and not necessarily have to social distance anymore, I feel like remote work is really going to become a bigger part of the picture. It's certainly not going to be the mandate, I hope, and it's going to be a way to enhance what is happening out there. So what I would anticipate from experiences is that companies will probably broaden their remote work policies. You know, we ourselves, even before we started recording, we're talking about how efficient we feel and how things have been moving forward still. I think from having been experienced in remote work for years, that feeling can easily be replaced by, you know, a lack of emotional connection, right? The being together in a singular space, you know, we're social creatures as human beings, not to get too meta about it, right? But it's it's important for us to feel that we're connected for a lot of people, whether you're introverts or extroverts. So I think what's going to happen as a result of this is that remote working policies are going to be expanded. It's going to become a bigger part of the picture and plans are going to need to be in place. A lot of people didn't have plans for these kinds of things, ourselves included, right? We've adapted and worked towards this and communicated with our teams and our vendors and our customers. But that communication and having that plan in place is, I think, going to be absolutely mandatory for any business going forward, and especially those businesses that are public to share with the broader markets about what their plan is in place. Yeah, well, that plan is uh, pretty important. You know, it's not realistic, I think, for companies to just ad hoc just throw it out there and say, okay, everybody stay at home and you'll figure out as you go. I, I agree right. with you. They have to have a plan of some kind. So, you know, pre-internet times, I, I, I don't know how old or young you are, but, uh, you know, if before we had the web, et cetera, you know, working from home was really not even an option for most people. Yep. There's still a lot of people in the workplace who come from that time and then you've got the millennials, the Gen Ys and Zs, et cetera, in the workplace who only know the digital world. I'm just curious, are you seeing any kind of like generational kind of differences in mindsets about this idea of, well, you can't really be productive working from home. We can't trust that you're going to stay busy while you're doing this. How do we know what you're doing versus a generation that doesn't think twice about it and doesn't see a problem? There's definitely something noticeable there. I wouldn't say it's it's exclusive by any stretch. You do have 
people who are young, who are not tech savvy, and you do have people who are more experienced that are incredibly tech savvy. So I've seen a lot of different things in my experiences and working with customers, but it really, again, comes down to communication, right? How are we talking about this? How are we making sure that we are aware and aligned? And that's really where a lot of companies can benefit from that technology piece, right? It plays a huge role in being able to expand that type of communication. So I wouldn't say that it's it's exclusive to one or the other. Really, everybody. I've been doing these webinars recently as of this recording where we're talking to customers about the virus, about how it's changing work, about working remotely. And the questions that I'm getting are coming from people of all types of varieties, all types of business backgrounds. I had somebody who was a millennial that came to me and said, how can I bring my yoga studio forward? How can I still do business? This is my livelihood. We had a conversation about how to make that happen through technology. So as much as this is a challenge and a struggle, we as humans have come through a lot of this before. And so I feel like this is an exciting time for technology to really be enhanced and utilized for people in all types of businesses from all types of generations. There's a culture piece to this too, right? And I think absolutely there are existing cultures that could be very, you know, supportive of remote working and, and cultures that don't trust it at all. But I also think, you know, in this environment, there's an opportunity here for that culture to kind of get a bit of a refresh to say, Hey, you know what, this is actually better than we thought it was. Or maybe it's a little overrated. You know, we'll, we'll get to that. But I want to come back to something you said earlier about two types of remote scenarios. You call them newer remotes and veteran remotes. Yeah. And I just want to get your thoughts on kind of what, what are the characteristics of each of those and how are they kind of impacting the culture of an organization around, you know, the value of remote working? Absolutely. So there's a big need on both sides. And again, it's it's staying connected, right? The newer remotes are really looking for just comfort, I think. They want to know that this can be done. They want to know how it can be done, and they're seeking advice and information. And the veteran remotes, and what I mean by that is people who have worked remotely for a long time and have had plenty of experience in it already, those people are saying, well, this is an unprecedented time, so how do I optimize what I'm doing? How do I make sure that the kind of work that I'm doing is following through with people, that everybody's goals are aligned, that as a a business, whether small, medium or enterprise, that our workplace is fully operational, right? Because at the end of the day, businesses, you know, we're all doing this so that we can provide for ourselves and our families. And and when it's something as globally stressful as as this, staying aligned is, is really, really critical. So those two parties, I would say it's very fluid. They're all really looking for the same thing, but different flavors, right? Everybody wants the fruit, but some people like apples, some people's like oranges, if I were to use an analogy. So I'd say that the goal and intention of what people are hunting for right now is really the same. So let's push that into what I would call best practices. You know, you deal with all kinds of companies and scenarios for a little bit of remote working, maybe a lot, maybe all. Why don't you share what you see out there as some good examples of the kind of companies, kind of use cases where they're getting it right? And, and, you know, and what are they doing to get it right? So this is the end all be all right of this conversation. But the teams that are doing things successfully right now are communicating as often as possible, not letting emotions get in the way, not worrying about harassing people. They're really identifying with each other what that level of communication cadence is. One of the questions that I got asked in this customer discussion was, how can I 
work with my team and talk to them without feeling like I'm harassing them. You know, the, the headspace of working remotely is different. And a lot of people really aren't used to it. Even the veterans aren't used to it in this kind of way. So what I've found in terms of successful companies and people doing things very well with the customers that I've been speaking with and, and other people out there in the marketplace is having daily stand-up meetings, you know, using the technology that we have to communicate and set that time frame. Maybe it's 10 or 15 minutes. It can be really, really simple. But these daily stand-up meetings using that connected information is, is incredibly important. I'm very biased as a representative of Monday.com, but having a collective resource so you can have closure on those kinds of conversations is really, really important. We're always looking at the long term when it comes to business, but in the short term as a team, you've got days and weeks ahead of you. How do we make that work? How do we manage that? So connecting on a daily basis in a formal setting like a Zoom meeting, something like that, and looking at the content that you have in your work operating system is incredibly important. So over communication, I think is quite a good thing, especially in times like these. And when it comes to that work, right, you want to make sure that it's as automated as possible. I think with us working remotely now, we're seeing this too, and a lot of companies are seeing this. The more human steps that are required to get something done, the more opportunities there are for things to break down. So if you set up something that's automated as much as humanly possible, it's really going to keep things as operational and seamless as you can. For me and in, in the work that I do, you know, there's a lot of different ways that things can go wrong. But when you have a system that's automated and that you have a workflow that's automated and documented in a singular place, that makes sure that teams are communicating and not having this siloed information happening. And then I would say, keep everybody all aligned on that high level, right? Those daily standups are important, but making sure that you have a tool or a resource, something like monday.com, that's a true work operating system, that will help keep your team aligned so that you have one singular source of truth. You know, working with all these companies, there are a vast amount of companies that are using hundreds and hundreds of different tools every single day. And that's hundreds and hundreds of different opportunities for key information to get siloed from the people that need it best. So making sure that you're not bottlenecking things by empowering transparency through tools, things like chat applications like Slack and Microsoft Teams, using video conferencing like Zoom, and then using work operating systems like money.com. Those are the kinds of things that I see in successful companies these days. Yeah, that's, there's a lot there, Matt. And I want to get back to some of those tools about the different types of tools, but just touching on culture a little bit, you know, when we're all working in an office setting, Everybody kind of knows what the rules of engagement are in terms of, well, some people, yeah, you can drop in, you can poke your head over the top of the cube and say hi, or just mm -hmm. drop by and announce. But for some people, it's, you know, you got to make an appointment. You kind of get a sense of how much contact really works. In this environment, because we're all kind of in this always on mode, is there a concern you're seeing that people really have too many kind of gadgets and toys to play with? And you can spend a lot of your time just managing those tools, but not actually getting a lot done. Absolutely. It's a huge thing. In order to get something done, it's no holds barred. Everybody get after it. And so what ends up happening is that by empowering people, you really give them a lot of freedom and that freedom can backfire because then teams say, well, I don't like this. This is something that I need. This is something that works for me. I need to make this happen. And if somebody says, just go do what you want, that's an active decision. And that decision is something that maybe you want to make because it's important for the culture of your team. And that's something that has pros and cons to it, just like working in an office versus working remotely. But the other side of that equation is that you end up siloing information. 
So if you are in a leadership position, or if you have a good connection with somebody who is a leader at your organization, aligning on what those tools are for those specific processes is going to make things so much better down the line. I, I, I can't tell you how much better it's going to make because that's going to be individual. But for us, we've done that. And for a lot of companies that I've worked with, they've done that. They've said, this is the tool for this specific activity. And we're going to empower and enable you through this person. A lot of things that are, that are happening right now, a lot of questions that we're getting, right, are people saying, well, I don't necessarily want to make a big company shift because things are in disarray for us. But really, this is a necessity, right? This is what you have to do it now. You might not have much of a choice. So people who are like IT decision makers and, and weighing these different things, it's really a decision. I, I can't tell you what's right or wrong for your company. But you have to say, do we want to empower them and let them have as many tools as they want and create those silos? Or do we want to offer them as much information and resources as possible around a specific stack, right? That's a, a tech stack of different tools that are going to be for getting these things done. That's, that's what we're seeing a lot of these days. Well, you know, that comes back, Matt, to something you mentioned earlier when we talked about companies figuring out how to approach remote working, and that's having policies, right? And I think this is a, yep. a hat that IT and those teams that deploy technology and buy it have to think about to say, okay, what are those policies going to be? Because there's got to be some ground rules here. Otherwise, because... Exactly. Yeah, because, I mean, the cloud makes it so easy for people to just pick and choose whatever they want. And then you get to this, aside from the silos, you get this Tower of Babel thing where no one's speaking the same language. And you talked earlier about what Monday.com is, as an operating system, so to speak, for work, workplace. And before I get to that, I just want to come back to what you were talking about earlier with micro and macro, because there's a lot of ideas here that I think we need to articulate for the audience because uh, your tool may not be as familiar as Slack or Teams or, you know, all these various platforms. So to get to that, you know, you talked about asking people how they feel, etc. A lot of this to this point in the podcast has really been about communication, how we interact with each other. And that's one piece of the puzzle. But when you get into micro macro, I want to talk to what I see as the second piece, which is collaboration and how you actually do the work. The workflows themselves are really what matters at the end of the day. And the communications is just, you know, how, what we do along the way. But, you know, you hinted at this earlier when you mentioned process. So I want to get into this. You know, if you can break this down a bit, we talk about two ideas here, and that is project versus process. And, you know, we could talk about communications all day long, but, you know, project management, workflow management is really what gets the results at the end of the day. So let's kind of shift focus onto that piece now, because that will lead up to where monday.com fits into all of this. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for that. And I'll ask the listeners to let me kind of put on my monday.com hat here for a second and really talk more specifically about that. But you mentioned communication and collaboration tools, and there's a lot of wonderful tools out there, a bunch of which we use. But to be more specific about monday.com, what we are calling monday.com is a work operating system, right? As a, a place for you to actually create space to align teams cross-functionally. And in this environment, we are very fortunate as a company to be in a place where we really enable and empower people to do that, right? We're talking a lot about individual projects, but we're also talking about, like you said, the process level information. The micro and the macro is another way to say that, and we've touched on that a little bit already. 
So what a tool like money.com does is it creates a place for that kind of communication to happen. It creates a place where on the project level, you can align with your team. You can set work out on a daily, weekly, monthly basis, whatever that looks like for you. You can talk about that individual work. You can upload files and make sure that all of the things that you need to enable that work are there in one singular place to make it happen. But then at the process level, as a company, you have the ability to set standards. You can share information on a company level and have templates and other environments where people can get together and say, this is what we are doing and this is how we actually do these projects. So a lot of people would say, okay, money.com is a project management solution, right? And we absolutely can do that, but that really only scratches the surface for what a work operating system is. And when you think about a company's mission and purpose, right? It's not individual per team necessarily. Each team has their objective, but when we're talking about goals, that is usually one singular thing, right? Like a mission statement. And the problem with that is that is if your mission statement is separated between hundreds and hundreds of different tools for communication and collaboration, it creates a big bottleneck and a lot of problems. So when we made money.com a few years ago, that's what we decided to do. We said there isn't really something out there right now in the space that enables a company to have a true operating system for their alignment. There isn't something that enables that cross functionality. And there isn't something that really empowers you to use the tools you're already using, right? For a company to go out there and say, use this one tool, it's going to fix all of your communication and collaboration problems. Like, it's just not realistic. It's not the way the world works. So we want to create a singular space where people can make that communication happen, and then plug in the things that they're already doing, so that you can have that core work operating system. Let me know if that resonated with you, but that's really what we're trying to accomplish. Yeah, you know, this is one of these cases where I wish we had a whiteboard on this podcast, right, to kind of show the different buckets of things and connect the dots because um, there's a lot. Yeah, there is a lot, and so this, for all the good intentions and capabilities we have here, at the same time, you know, it's like you don't want to kill the baby before it learns how to walk. So businesses that are going into this remote working scenario now, how do you help them digest all of this and kind of turn it into an action plan and a, and a, and a technology solution that is going to work, It's going to get traction and, you know, get people really working the way they should be? Yeah. To use the same analogy, John, it's one step at a time. Something like this is a massive undertaking and it's not easy. We do our absolute best to empower as many people to make this happen, whether they're our customers or not. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. That's life. But at the end of the day, when we're thinking about that phase of learning to walk, we take that for granted. It's just something that happens when we are established adult human beings, right? And as a business is, is growing and, and making these changes, you know, imagine 700 different areas of your brain, right? I'm just throwing out a number where all that information is separated out. You know, the brain works because it's connected to a central nervous system. It's connected to the rest of your body. So as a business, you really want to try to centralize and connect as much of that information as you possibly can. You know, if you're looking at a project level, that's like super specific, right? Things have start dates and end dates. And when you're looking at a, a project level, you look at milestones, you look at workloads, you look at timelines, you know, as a business, defining those things is incredibly important. And I think that's the first step. If you're looking at taking this massive undertaking, as a business, you need to take that first step to define that. And just like any tool, whether it's money.com or not, 
those tools are only going to be as good as you give them the ability to be. Engineers natively understand project, the process, you know, they don't need to be taught how to do this. But when you throw this out in the wild, you know, this comes back to culture. If workers feel that, you know, I've never worked remote before, I don't know where to start, where to finish, am I communicating too much, too little, and they start to feel like their job depends on it, that really puts you behind the eight ball from the start. And if you've got a culture that's really all about, you know, high achievers and sink or swim, that's going to be problematic, right? So I, I just want to come back to this earlier idea about policies and how does IT kind of set the right expectations here? Because you are, you, you're, you're giving people a whole new set of tools. And that first impression is so important, I think, for getting it to take, right? Absolutely. When it comes to working with an IT professional and, and taking a look at this as a business, I think understanding, and I'll use another analogy here, I'm just a, a big fan of analogies these days, but every company looks at the world through a different lens, right? And that is usually a unique lens. And if you're looking at about like glasses, you know, you could take those on and, and look at it differently, or you can take them off and see things in a different perspective, right? Some things ideally will be in, in larger focus if those lenses are, if you're looking through those lenses as an IT professional. And so when you're looking at these tools, it's important that you look at it through the lens of your company culture and understand how you guys are working and what benefits you're having, right? There's a thousand different ways that you can look at that because there's probably many more different types of business verticals out there, right? I say business verticals in different types of, of work that you can do and make companies out of, right? So that first step is incredibly important. And when you're thinking about how to approach those different kinds of things, you need to look at it in the way that you feel like your company will. And that's a powerful position that IT professionals have is they can set those courses and definitions, right? They could say, here's this tool look at it this way and utilize it this way. Now, getting somebody to act, that's a different story. But you can really set people up in your organization for success by defining and telling people, this is how we want this to be observed. This is the intention of this tool. If something like Monday.com is being rolled out, telling people, hey, this is going to be our work operating system. This is how it can be used. These are the benefits. These are the things that maybe might not work as well, right? I've seen so many customers put together Monday.com prospectuses and you know portfolio plans and like these huge launch parties, things like that to try and get it out there. And I've seen it a thousand different ways under the sun. I, I remember having one company that they said, look, the only way that things get done here is if we have a chips and guacamole party. And I said, really, I've, ne I've never quite heard that before. And I'm looking forward to the day when those kinds of things can return, right? But they said that this is the lens that we look through. If we want to teach people this, we've got to get everybody connected, align them on what the purpose of this thing is, and take that first step, right? I think one of the different things, and I'll end my comment on this specific one, but I think the most important thing to look at here when you're considering this is that a lot of people and a lot of companies are going to envision the end result. The end result being this is a company that's fully connected. We're seamlessly working together. There are no silos. We're communicating perfectly. But it's so hard to get there, right? It's such a huge leap to go from zero to a fully seamlessly operating remote capable business. So going back to the very beginning of that and saying, okay, we're going from zero to one, not zero to 100. And aligning that out, taking the time to be intentional about that, is going to make any tool, especially something like a work operating system like money.com, roll out successfully for these individuals. Did I answer your question, John? 
Oh yeah, no, that, that that that's a good way to frame it. You know, when you talk about ultimately, you know, wouldn't it be great? Yes, if we could have no silos and everyone's seamlessly connected, and you know, it, it almost sounds so efficient that you don't even need people anymore. And that's a different podcast. Where yeah, exactly. We'll get bots to do all of this for us, and then we won't have these problems. How most businesses work, I think they turn to these technologies because they want productivity to be better, right? They want people to be more productive, teams to be more productive. And so when you think about where the work happens, it's often in an office, but sometimes it's remote or offsite. So, you know, when you come to these companies and talk about it, is it more the case that in some environments, the effectiveness of working in offices is really overrated? Or is it more the case that remote working as an opportunity is underrated? I just kind of think about that because you have to have both environments and I'm not sure what's driving the problem set. You know, if silos are just so hardwired into the culture, doesn't matter what tools you give them, the office-based environment may just never get any better. And, you know, on the other hand, you look at, well, well, maybe we should give this remote thing a chance, you know, more people are doing it. And I think there's a tension there between, are we thinking too much about offices or giving it too much credit, or we're not thinking enough about what remote remote working could be doing. Absolutely. It's a great question. It's a a fun thought experiment. And to give you a specific answer, I I feel like it's not in the middle, but I do think it's a little remote leaning. And to go specifically on what I mean by that is that if you have the capability to do remote work, if you have the capability to enhance the work that you're doing right now, then freedom and flexibility will make that company stronger, right? Think about it as a tech company, it's really easy. For money.com, we started doing it a while ago, more than a week and a half ago as of this recording. And we've had remote teams the entire time. We elected, as just for us personally, that we would allow for hybrid teams. We'd have some people that are fully remote, some people that are partly remote, and some people that are fully in office. So those kinds of things were just a decision for us to make. But then you have other companies, right? Maybe it's a construction company. You know, going remote on a construction site is going to be incredibly difficult. But there is still going to be that necessary part of communication that happens digitally and has information collected online. You know, there's a lot of different types of softwares and things that a company can utilize. So, a construction company specifically in this example. So, I feel as though remote work for a lot of people might be a little underrated. And I think office work for a lot of people also might be a little underrated. And I'd say that's why I lean more on the remote side, that once this is done and through, it's going to be a different world for a lot of people. And they're going to have to make a decision, right? It always goes back to that communication decision. I feel like that's the, that's the headline for this, uh, this conversation we're having. And they're going to have to say, do we want to continue this? Did we find value in this? And how do we want to make this work? And I've already had, at least myself on Twitter, email, all the communications that I have with my my customers and, and my friends in business, all saying, this is going to change for us, especially in tech and people that have the capabilities to do a fully remote transition. This is empowering us. It's got a lot of challenges and they're trying to figure those out. People are pushing back meetings right now these days, trying to figure those things out. But a lot of people are recognizing that remote work, I think, was a little underrated. And there's a lot of power to be able to do that. And if the company and the environment supports it, it can be a powerful asset. No doubt. No doubt. So I guess some of the best 
success mm -hmm. stories your company could point to in validating this model, I guess would be customers that you've had that didn't think remote working was going to be for them, but once they tried it, they changed their tune. And can you can you speak to any of those kind of examples or what you've seen? Yeah, absolutely. I could talk kind of generally about some of the things that I've seen, and, and hopefully this will help people. I mentioned that uh, that yoga studio earlier. I just kind of really love that example because this is somebody who came to us and said, as a small business, you know, we want to keep our operation going. How in the world can we do that? I'm a bit lost. I'm a bit overwhelmed. And I just don't know how to take that first step. And so in this large forum with customers, we had that conversation openly and people were, I think, just kind of inspired by the thinking about like, how could we take something that is traditionally in person and make it work remotely, make it work in this new environment. And for huge enterprise companies, they're also dealing with the exact same thing. You know, one of the companies that I work with, a, a major media company right now, is getting a, a lot of difficulties around the process, right? Things that were just easier to, you, you mentioned like poking your head over somebody's cubicle, right? That transition is incredibly hard. And they're saying, look, this is a bit of a storm for us. We're trying to weather this and make this happen. But what they've started doing now, and I mentioned it earlier, that's actually where I got this tip from, was having daily standups in each of their teams. And then the managers are also having daily standups. And so when you think about like, you know, 10 minutes for each employee, 10 minutes for the managers, that's a lot of company time, really. And that adds up, especially when you're talking about tens of thousands of people. But in this day and age where remote work, especially right now as we're recording, is, is critical and, and mandatory in some places, that is a powerful, powerful tool. And so they're using Monday.com, for us at least, they're using Monday.com to centralize that communication and empower that company so that they say, we have one source of truth that connects every other tool that we're using. They, in this example, the, the media company that I'm speaking to, um, they've actually spent most of the past two weeks working towards building applications, internal applications that connect to monday.com to make those processes easier, right? A lot of people don't have that luxury, but whether it's a small business to a yoga studio, just trying to figure out how to keep the doors open to a major media company saying, we're going to use this time to create completely new internal integrations into monday.com. And they're seeing that this is like something that's so critical. It's really, really impactful to kind of see that happening from both sides of the spectrum. Yeah. And you know, I, I, Come back to what I mentioned earlier about some generational things. And I do think, you know, the digital generation sees the world very differently, mostly through technology. And they are able to, I think, natively envision things that analog world people like me don't see that quickly. And, you know, you talk about the yoga thing, you know, it came, the Peloton came to mind right away, you know, where... This is a business where, yeah, you're buying the bike, but you're really, it's a SaaS business. You're buying a subscription to a, to a, you know, a streaming session where you are a part of a virtual community and all of a sudden, hey, if that gets you going into fitness, good for you, right? You know, it's a different way of doing things. And, and I think the technology when it's used effectively can be really, really good. And so I think there's a lot of opportunity here for businesses to rethink the way they do things and technology can be a really great neighbor of that, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and technology that you not only trust to get it done and to make it happen and to be there for you and be available, but something that you can customize, something that's flexible, something that 
offers you the ability to make it fit into that culture, right? You know, or if you're trying to put a square peg in a round hole, you're going to have a hard time doing it. And so when you're considering these tools out there, one of the reasons why people have chosen us, and they've told me this many, many times, is the ability to be flexible and customize things. The yoga instructor is using our tool to track engagement, register participants, those kinds of things. And she built that out for herself. And she made that stuff herself. She used the building blocks that Monday.com and a work operating system like us can give to a company or a small business and make that happen. And so it's hard. You're talking about those generational things. These days, if you're a tool out there and you're trying to empower digital communication, if you're not customizable and flexible, then the market will reject. And we've had a lot of things that we've improved over the years that we made that we thought were a good idea, that this is something that's going to resonate and stick with people. And then we heard the market reject it and say, no, no, change it. Make more status colors, right? If we're talking about our tool specifically, we have the ability for people to take one of these building blocks and say, this is something that's done, or this is something that's being worked on, right? In the beginning, only had a few selections and a few options. So that can look different for a lot of different areas. But that major media company, for example, has been spending the past two weeks really customizing a lot of what they're doing so that it doesn't matter what generation is using their work operating system of monday.com. It's something that's familiar, right? It's something that feels like it belongs to them. You know, I, I, I think given the opportunity, everybody would love to build out tools that work for them. But these days, that's just not practical and not possible. And it takes a skill set. So that's where digital communication tools really come in handy. So I think as a generation, as somebody who's used technology for a vast majority of my life, I'm the kind of person that runs into a new tool and I'm like, this is, this is different. Change is hard. I don't like it. And I have to kind of take a step back, look at that approach and say, okay, this is a new thing. This is what we're trying to do. This is how we make this work. And having that conversation genuinely and frankly with people out there who are in that space and, you know, John having the opportunity to be here and talk so openly about it, I think is, is really important. So hopefully that all connects together in a good way. I kind of got off on a little soapbox there, but I think that being able to be in a space where you can make this work for you and make this resonate with your team, like we talked about using the glasses analogy, you know, help them look through that lens is really going to, you know, align teams to break down those silos and stay better connected than ever. Well said, Matt. I think you anticipated my wrap up. So I I, (laughs) got a little out of the game. No, that's great. I think that's a good landing spot to, uh, to wrap things up here. I think that's a good kind of way to think about it. And for people out there, you know, obviously we're targeting people for these podcasts who are in that mode right now, wondering how do I do this? What's my first step? And I think there's a lot of good ideas here about how to do that. So with that, I think we need to uh, come to a close here. So I want to thank you, Matt, Matt Burns of Monday.com for being with me here today on the podcast. Thank you, Matt. Absolutely. It was my privilege. I had a great time and uh, really appreciate the time, John. Okay. You're welcome. And I as well will thank the Enterprise Management 360 folks for putting this podcast on and having me on here as the moderator. So this is John Arnold of J. Arnold & Associates, and I will bid you adieu for now. And we hope you enjoy this podcast, and we always welcome your comments and look forward to uh, seeing you on future podcasts. Thanks for listening.
You've been listening to the EM360 podcast. For more great content, head on over to em360tech.com.